You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Kotzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Hey, Brain, happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, Josh. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. It's, uh, as we're recording this, it's the fifth night of Hanukkah, so I'm sure that everybody's gotten their fill of fried chicken and potato latkes and, uh, and, and donuts and all kinds of other delicious Hanukkah goodies, and uh, you should because it's a, it's, a, it's a festive time of year, so hopefully everybody is having a safe and wonderful Hanukkah. And uh, Brain, you know, it wouldn't be Hanukkah if it didn't feature the Dolphins losing a football game. The Dolphins... It's that time of year. It is. The Dolphins fall 33-27 to to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. But, you know, I, 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 I'm I, not... Listen, I get it. You never like to, to lose a football game, and it's obviously disappointing, particularly given that the Dolphins had an opportunity to get off to a little bit better start than they did, and then they they sort of made some mistakes early on and left some points on the field, which, you know, wasn't good. But they, they took a 10-0 lead, and they were looking really good and had the Chiefs really locked down for a while. Then the Chiefs did what the Chiefs do and it sort of exploded, uh, scoring three touchdowns in a period of about three minutes of actual game time which was pretty disappointing. And from there, it, it was after that happened, it pretty much felt like it was over. But the Dolphins, they didn't give up. They kept fighting. They, they hung in there. And they, they ended up falling 33-27 to 27 to the defending Super Bowl champs and the team that is probably the favorite to be the Super Bowl champs again this year. But uh, I, I came away from this game feeling very, very sort of proud of these guys and and encouraged with the direction that the organization is heading in. I feel confident in Tua Tungavailoa, and we'll get into that and, and to why I feel that way here shortly. But I really, I'm starting to feel good about him and the way he kind of engineered a couple of those drives late in the game uh, was impressive. And so I, I'm feeling good about that. And you know, falling short against the Super Bowl champs and the team that is, you know, by and large perceived to be the best team in the NFL right now is really not something to hang your head about, especially when you only end up losing by one possession. And I just feel this was a game where I felt that even though the Dolphins lost and even though it's frustrating and disappointing to lose a game, any game in the thick of the, a playoff race, this was a game where I really felt that this was an organization that was moving in the right direction. And, and if you follow me on Twitter, which you should be doing, at Amplified to Rock, he is, of course, at Aaron the Brain, at A.A. Ron the Brain, the show, at Samuel Dolphins. You should be following all of those accounts. Um, you saw that I tweeted out Sunday that I just don't know how you come away from this game without just being encouraged about the direction that this organization is headed in and and proud of the 53 men who were out there fighting for the aqua and orange on Sunday I thought they they just really did a great job even though they ultimately came up short and obviously you would like them to have done a better job so that they could have won this game but it it was exactly what we said going in this was a game where there was zero margin for error and if you weren't perfect the Chiefs were going to find a way to exploit your mistakes, and that's what they did, and that's why we lost. But I take a look at where this team was 12 months ago 
versus where they are now, and they're clearly moving in the right direction. And so I was, I was, you know, well disappointed. I came away going, okay, that's a bummer, but we got three more games left, and as long as we win those three games, there's a very good shot, or even two of those three games, there's a very good shot that your Miami Dolphins are headed to the playoffs. So I was, you know, I, I came away still pretty optimistic in spite of the loss. Brain, you don't feel that way, though. You, you, you're muted, Brain. There we go. Sorry, either, you know, garage door was open. I didn't want the ambient noise. Anyway, I don't feel discouraged by what we saw in this game, but nothing that I saw in this game was particularly encouraging, unless we are just setting the bar really low, which that's fine, you know, six, seven, eight weeks ago when we were a 500 team or we were a below 500 team and we were saying, well, look at how far this team has come from a year ago where we're one in three, but we're playing teams close. We are in the thick of a playoff race. This is not the time that I want to be taking moral victories because we lost the game by one possession. Uh, look, and, and this was not like, I've heard a lot of, you know, we played the chiefs close. Well, first off, the chiefs have been playing close games for over a month now, and they're not all against powerhouse teams. They beat the Panthers by two. They beat the Broncos by six. They beat the Bucks by three. They beat the Raiders by four. I mean, they've been playing close games now. This is their fifth one possession victory in a row. So it's not like the Dolphins did anything that was super impressive. And more so, this was not a game where like the Broncos played the Chiefs and had a lead in the fourth quarter. Or the the Panthers played the Chiefs and it was a relatively close game the whole way. This was a game where, albeit, the Dolphins got off to a good start. The defense set the tone. The Chiefs made some pretty bad mistakes. But the Dolphins, you know, were opportunistic and took advantage of those mistakes. And you've got to give them credit for that. And they forced some of those mistakes. And you've got to give them credit for that. But then they got completely dominated for relatively half the football game. <laughs> for for uh, at least a quarter and a half, it was a complete blowout. And the Chiefs scored 30 points in a row. And... This was a game where the Dolphins were essentially beaten soundly, but then they kind of made it interesting at the end. And then as soon as they kind of made it interesting and they needed to make a stop to really make it interesting, the Chiefs put the game away. The Dolphins made it a little interesting. They, they It wasn't super easy for the Chiefs, but this was not a game where I think the if you're a Chiefs fan and you were watching this game, I don't think there was a moment in this game where you really felt, you know, eh, this game that that you were really in danger of losing this game. This was not a really tight football game. It was just a game that the Dolphins kind of made interesting at the end because they put up some late points and and they didn't give up. And I give them credit. If there's one thing that's encouraging here, uh it's that the Dolphins showed a lot of fight. And again, if we're looking for encouragement, the Dolphins have had games like these in the past where it's late November or early December and they're going up against a really good football team and it's that quote-unquote measuring stick or that quote-unquote statement game and we get absolutely blown out of the water. And when the Chiefs went up 30-10, to 10, it felt like that. It felt like all right, this is the Baltimore Ravens game all over again. We're going to get, you know, we're just going to fade. We're going to fall apart. We're going to quit or whatever. I give them credit. They did not quit. They showed a lot of fight and they made it interesting and they deserve praise for that. But let's not blow it out of proportion. There's nothing that they did in this game that should make you feel like they're any better than what you've seen. Uh, but here's the, the thing, though. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want to say, because it would be one thing 
if this was a Miami Dolphins team that this season was playing at the peak of its powers with all of a full complement of weapons available to them, and this is what happened. This was a team that was playing without their top three running backs, and I don't, let's be honest, I don't know that having Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida would have made a difference in this game, or Savan Achman, I don't know that that really would have made a difference in in how the Dolphins approached this, but they played this without Preston Williams, they played it, essentially played the entire game without Devontae Parker, because he went down fairly early in this one after he dropped the touchdown pass, but whatever, he, they, they played it without Devontae Parker, they were playing without Kyle Van Noy, they were playing without a Landon Roberts, and the Chiefs took advantage on two of the touchdowns. They scored touchdowns on plays where Bobby McCain, who was part of locking down Tyreek Hill for large portions of this game, he was off the field, and that's when the Chiefs struck. When, when Bobby McCain was out injured and, and Fedgdalum was out there, and that's when Kansas City struck. That's when they took advantage of it. This was a measuring stick game. We said that going in. And what we saw was a team with elite talent on the offensive side of the ball versus a team without elite talent. You saw... You've got on one side, you've got Patrick Mahomes, who is an elite quarterback in this league, who is surrounded by has two elite, elite weapons on his team and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. He also has a couple of very good running backs in Clyde Edwards Elair and Le'Veon Bell. And they've got another a very full complement of very fast and talented wide receivers on that offense. On the other side of the ball, you have the Miami Dolphins, who have Tua Tungavailoa, who is a promising quarterback, who is, I think, week over week, showing signs of improvement and is and game understanding and really like the nuanced ability to make plays. That's that's happening. You can see that process beginning with Tua. So you've got a, a quarterback with a lot, a lot, a lot of upside. But other than that, he's got average at best weapons around him maybe Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker notwithstanding like you know you can you can say that those two pieces are above average but everybody else I mean at the at the best at the best these are average guys at this point in the National Football League so that's why you've got offenses that two offenses that look completely different And we knew that going in. And, you know, the defense was banged up as well. So you take a look at these two teams side by side right now. You can only wonder what this game looks like if the Dolphins are playing with a full complement of of talent on both sides of the ball. But the thing to take away is that a year ago, this team isn't even close at all in this game. When you say that the Chiefs were uncomfortable and out of sorts at the beginning of the game, they were uncomfortable and out of sorts at the beginning of the game because the Dolphins made them uncomfortable and out of sorts at the beginning of the game. The Dolphins' defense made Patrick Mahomes make those mistakes. Maybe not the fumble, maybe that was a brain fart on his own, but the Dolphins influenced these things. They were getting hands up. They were deflecting passes to get picked off. Jerome Baker was chasing Patrick Mahomes down to take a 30-yard sack, right? The Dolphins made this team uncomfortable, and then the Dolphins got banged up a little bit, and they they lost focus for a moment. And the Chiefs, being the kind of team that they are, were able to take advantage of that. It's not like, you know, I, I, I get being disappointed, like you said, but and, and again, I, I also get not wanting to take moral victories. It's like, whatever. But there is, I think, a lot, when you look at this game, not just as a sort of standalone thing, but you take a look at this game in the broader narrative of what the, all of this season and all of last season add up to, and you see a team that is on that trajectory that is headed in a good direction. And that's why I come away from this game feeling positive. Now, if the Dolphins go out and lose to New England and lose to Las Vegas and lose to Buffalo and finish the season eight and eight, this is a very different conversation. But today, the eight and five Miami Dolphins with three games to go, three eminently, well, two definitely super winnable games and then a tough game on the finale, but 
a game where Buffalo may very well be resting half of their roster. I mean, these could be three winnable games. You could be looking at a team that ends the season 11 and five. It's not with yeah. It's not outside the realm of possibility. So you've got to feel good, even if individual performances taken on their own uh, maybe left you feeling kind of meh after this game. The entire thing, the fight, the heart that these guys showed to come back even when they were down 20 points, when, when Kansas City had blown the doors off of them, this team turned around and said, no, we're not going out like that. And they put up a fight. And that was something I think that all Dolphin fans can sort of hold their heads high about, even though the end result and the narrative of the game maybe is one that, broadly speaking, doesn't speak that well about the Dolphins, but in fact speaks well about how good Kansas City is. And that's okay. But from where I sit as a Dolphin fan, I walk away from this going, okay, we lost the least important of the final four games of the season to the best team in the league. We, we made some mistakes. We needed to be perfect. We weren't perfect. As a result of that, we got punished for it. But then we turned things around and fought on our own terms. And you know, made a game of it. Yeah, maybe we didn't get as close as we would have liked and we didn't quite get all the way back there. And when we had an opportunity to really open the door, you know, Kansas City, like they do, they made the big play that they needed to make on fourth and one to essentially allow them to put the game away. And that's what elite teams are capable of doing. And the Dolphins are not an elite team yet. And that's okay. That is okay in the narrative of where this team is right now. Right, but again, like, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, and I'm not saying that that, that anything, I'm not saying that I'm discouraged by what I saw. I'm saying that, you know, the Dolphins are kind of who we thought they were, and that is a pretty good team, not a great team. Um, I don't think that they needed to play perfect to win this game. At all, because I think the Chiefs played poorly. I think this is one of the worst performances that the Chiefs have had all year. And yes, the Dolphins' defense is part of that, and they deserve credit. But, I mean, no matter how good the Dolphins' defense plays, when you turn the ball over four times, like, you're having a bad game. Like, like, I don't know how, like if, if the Dolphins come out and Tua throws four interceptions against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, yes, we're going to sit there and we're going to acknowledge that the Steelers have a good defense, but we're not going to sit here and give Tua a pass because he played a good defense. Four turnovers is four turnovers. It's unacceptable. So it's not like the Kansas City Chiefs played some great game. The Kansas City Chiefs played a terrible game by by their standards, and they gave the Dolphins opportunities to win, and the Dolphins didn't take advantage. They didn't need to be perfect, but, you know, they were far from... The Dolphins were basically what they've been all year, and the Chiefs played down closer to the Dolphins' level, and still, the Dolphins didn't have the ball uh, after the Chiefs through that long touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill to go up 21 to 10, the Dolphins never had the ball with one in a one possession football game where they could tie or take the lead. So it wasn't like this was a close game. They were beaten soundly. They made it a little interesting at the end. I give them credit for fighting. I give them credit for making it interesting at the end. But at the end of the day, like, there, there's nothing overwhelmingly impressive about this, and there's nothing super encouraging about it. And I, I don't want to sit here, like, like, before the game, we said no matter what happens in this game, we're not going to overreact to it. Uh, and we're not, because it's one game, and literally anything can happen in one game. And what happened in the one game was pretty much an, ex- I mean, it, it was it was what you would expect. Kansas City beat them soundly, but did not blow them out. That's that's pretty much what we expected. So I, what I would yep. say is this was this was fine. 
This yeah, they, 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 this was fine. It yes. wasn't. There's no reason to come out of this and 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 beat our chest and say like, yeah, we're 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 on the right path. You should feel like you're on the right path because you're eight and five. You yeah. you should feel that. But it doesn't. But but you don't need to feel that coming off of a loss. There was nothing about this game that would make me want to beat my chest as a Dolphins fan. Nothing that came out of this game makes me feel like the you know we're gonna go into next week's game against New England and and dominate that game. I'm very concerned about yeah. the, the the remaining three games of the season. And until they they absolutely, you know, we beyond a shadow of a doubt prove that they are a, a legit playoff team, I'm going to have those concerns. And like I said, not nothing about nothing that happened in this game was all that I mean, th- even Tua, like I, I'm very happy that Tua turned it around and put a couple of really nice drives together in the fourth quarter. I thought it was really impressive that he did it without Mike Gasicki and Devontae Parker, that he did it with, you know, Adam Shaheen and Lynn Bowden and Patrick Laird uh, and Malcolm Perry. That's cool. That's great. That looks great. But there was also a stretch in that game in the third quarter where he looked awful. And I think it's, it's, it's not responsible of us as, like if you're trying to be an objective fan, I don't think it's responsible for you to look at this game and completely ignore the fact that in the third quarter, Tua was awful and he looked rattled. It, yeah, I think that's right. I think you're right. He did. He did have stretches of this game where he didn't look great, and I think that that is something. No, that he you looked ex- awful. He looked awful. Okay, fine. And it's, uh, but and, and, that's and, something you that you would expect. You can't just like and and I loved I, I I was I'm all for Tua and I believe Tua is going to be a really really good quarterback. But I'm not going to sit here and and just look at the fact that he had two really good drives in the fourth quarter and overlook the fact that if he played better in the third quarter we win the game. Of course, but do do you look at this performance that Tua put together as a whole? Look at the game as a whole and compare it with the rest of his body of work over the course of this season. And do you walk away, particularly with those last couple of drives, do you walk away and think, okay, I can see it. I can see who this guy is going to be. That is the point. Let me read to you. I see. Well, what I'm going to say, let me answer that question first. Okay, go ahead. Because what I see is the same thing that I that I said I saw last week and it's the same thing that I saw in college it the same strengths the same weaknesses I see a quarterback that seems to be very streaky that when he gets into a role and a rhythm and he's feeling it and he's acting on instinct the instincts take over and you see that he has elite level instincts and that's something that I think a lot of quarterbacks don't have. When we when we had Ryan Tannehill for seven or eight years, that was something that we consistently had an issue with. Is that Ryan Tannehill looked like a quarterback that he what he was just he he was always learning to play the quarterback position. He didn't have those quarterback instincts. He looked right. like he he's talented. He can make all the plays and he can make all the throws. But you but. He never had that it factor where when things broke down that he was going to, you know, rely on these great instincts. His instincts were garbage. And that, and what you'd find is in the big moments, he'd be garbage. And that's what, that was what worried us about Tannehill. And it's ultimately why he's not here. And I see the opposite in, in Tua, but at the same time, I also see limitations like his arm strength is a little bit of a concern. I think it's adequate and I think he'll be fine with it, but because he doesn't have a really strong arm, uh he it, it is more difficult. He has to be perfect with his anticipation and his accuracy and the way that he sees the field and his ability to make the reads. And what I'm seeing in him right now, and he's a rookie and he's going to get better because 
the the thing that is most impressive about him is the way that he does learn and pick things up. And so I'm very encouraged. Absolutely. But Absolutely. when when things break down and and the play is not that you know maybe the coverage is the a team throws something different at him that he wasn't expecting to see and he's surprised and the offensive line doesn't give him perfect protection we're seeing him you know hold on to the ball too long think too much take sacks where he shouldn't be taking sacks and those are important those are important things that he that he needs to get better at. But again, he's young, and I, I accept that. But at the same time, you can't just laud the guy for the things that he does great and ignore the things that he does wrong. Absolutely. But you've I, I, got to get the whole picture of it. I feel confident in Tua going forward. I think he's going to be really good, especially... I think, I think really where you're going to see him turn the corner, it might not be this season. I think he needs a full offseason. I yes, think you I agree, need 100%. to get him better weapons and he needs a full off season of, of, you know, practicing with those weapons that's, and looking at, at defenses. I think that's all going to be a huge p- piece of the puzzle going forward. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and just, you know, ignore mistakes that Tua makes or when he makes a deep throw that hangs. And look, apologies to Jakeem Grant because... While he had a horrific drop early in the game on the Dolphins' first drive, and he does some questionable things and he makes things an adventure, and this was another bad Jakeem game, I got very upset at Jakeem Grant on the Tua interception because I felt like, because at first glance, I thought it was a drop, and that led to the interception. But in looking at it closer and in looking at it in slow motion, First off, it was a terrible throw. The, the ball hung up. It was it was super underthrown. And secondly, uh, look, the defender got his hand in there and broke the play up and, and forced the incomplete pass. So, like, Tua deserved that interception. That, that was a bad throw. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. He, it's not like Tua is some shiny golden god back there who is playing to perfection every moment of every game. That's certainly not what we're seeing. How much of the moments where he looks bad are fully on his shoulders and how much of it is the the line not giving him time and his receivers not being able to generate any space so he has nowhere to go with the ball so he has to hold it and take a sack or, you know, situations like that. I think that probably factors in a little bit. How much of it is him maybe not getting the right read on the coverage situation. And so he's got a guy that is open, but can't get through his progression fast enough to, to get the ball out of his hand. That is part of it, but this is a guy that is maturing. And, but the fact is that he was able to put those couple of drives at the end of the game together when he's like on the drive, the final touchdown drive where Gesicki gets hurt. These are the people that touched the ball from that point on. Patrick Laird, Mac Hollins, Lynn Bowden Jr., Durham Smythe, Laird, Hollins, Laird, Laird, Tua scrambles, DeAndre Washington, Tua keeps it for a touchdown. You know, most people that are fans of the casual fans of the National Football League have heard of maybe one of those people, you know, outside of Tua. You know, and he made that he made that happen with the weapons that he had, and he elevated those players around him on that drive. And that is, I think, what makes you walk away from it going, okay, great. I'm feeling encouraged based on that. And listen, I don't want to say the Dolphins played some lights out game, but I also, you know, there's no shame in losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no shame. And it no no shame. But nothing, nothing to write home about. Sure, but I, you know, again, when you look at it, I, I have been this season in particular really sort of looking at everything step by step, moment by moment, trying to avoid the micro and try to keep looking at things from more of a macro sense because this is a team that is on a trajectory, and this is the second year of the rebuild, and they're in the they're in the thick of the playoff race with four, well, now three games to go, right? They're they're arriving a little bit earlier than 
expected, but it's very clear that in the hierarchy of teams in the National Football League right now, or, or if you want to, let's just look at the AFC because I think the Dolphins are actually better than teams that are going to make the playoffs in the NFC. But if you look at the hierarchy of teams in the AFC, the Miami Dolphins are very clearly on a talent level right now at the bottom. They're right on the bubble of the playoffs. It, they're, it, I, th- I actually think they might even be a little bit higher in the standings than you would think that they would be just looking at them on paper. I think they've kind of overachieved, and that's credit to the job that Brian Flores is doing with this team this season. So I'm not saying, wow, what a great game the Dolphins played. Wow, wow, wow. They really they really gave the Chiefs all they could handle. I do walk away saying the defense of the Miami Dolphins is legit because they did play a very good game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, when when Patrick Mahomes has thrown two interceptions all season and throws three in a game against your team, whether it's because they're on deflections or, you know, a great play from Xavier Howard. The fact is he threw three interceptions and your team made that happen. Right. You know, so that is something that is something to be proud of. And it is something that the Dolphins can hang their hat on and they should be excited about. And I'm all excited about Everybody that follows the Miami Dolphins knows that clearly this was a team that upgraded on the defensive side of the ball last offseason. And everybody knows that going into next season, this upcoming offseason, the Dolphins need to upgrade on the offensive side of the ball. And I think adding those pieces are going to take this team from being on the bubble to at the very least being in that place where when we get to a year from now, I would expect the Dolphins to be probably even a little bit higher up than they are right now, probably finding themselves in a bit more of a comfortable position and maybe a tighter race for the AFC East crown. And that's what I walked away from this game feeling because when you look at things from the macro sense, again, you can clearly see improvement when you look at the Dolphins losing 33-27 to in week 14 of 2020 from the team that lost 59-10 to to Baltimore in week one of 2019. There is growth. That yeah. is what I'm saying. And, uh, and 100%, and we're going to put this to bed, you know, I, I just want to say one more thing on it, and then we'll get into the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, I just don't want to do this. Like, yes, the macro is important, and we've all acknowledged that the Dolphins have made growth and that they're moving in the right direction. We're happy with where they are at right now, at 8-5. and five. If you would have told me, if you'd have told any Dolphins fan prior to the start of the season that they'd be 8-5 and five going into the last three games with a chance to, to make the playoffs, they'd be ecstatic about it. They'd be stoked and be like, yeah, I can't wait to get there. And we've been so excited to get here. And what I said coming into this game was that now we are here. It the the time to be happy about the macro, we can put that in the rear view until we get to the end of the season. At this point, you know, when you're when you're eight and four, the expectation should no longer be moral victories and l- being happy with where you're at. Of course, the expectation is you are now in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. These it, this is a four game play. We've said that all along. Th- that you get to these four games at eight and four, and you're looking at a four game playoff. Well, you're in the playoffs now. Let's act like we're in the playoffs and we're not just some team that's happy to be here. So, Absolutely. So, so look, while I completely agree that we've made this progress, I just don't think we, we keep doing this. We did this after the Denver game. Yeah, uh, sure. Where we said, we're, we're, this is what we're going to do now, is we're going to be really excited every time the Dolphins lose, but or every time the Dolphins win, but then every time they lose, we're going to say, yeah, well, you know, we're still way better than we were last year, and we're it's still, we're, you know, we're playing with house money. And that may be the case, that may be the case, but 
Uh, and I don't think that I know that's not how Brian Flores looks at it. I know that's not how the team looks at it. So as a fan, I would like to look at it the way that I'm sure Brian Flores is looking at it and having a higher expectation. Yeah. And, and I, I completely agree with that. And I think against any other team in the national football league, I think the conversation coming out of this game is different. And I think any any kind of loss in any of the final three games of this season, I think the conversation coming out of the game is different. I, I just think up against the best team in the league, giving them, you know, just giving them the what for and, and, and playing some strong defense against them um, and showing glimpses of what this team could be in the future. Um, I think there is room for there to be some satisfaction even in defeat from this particular game. Dolphins lose against New England next week. There's no moral victory. Dolphins lose to Vegas. No moral victory. Dolphins lose to Buffalo. Probably no moral victory there. You know, I think coming out of the Kansas City game, it was just a little bit of a different thing. And I think just because of game flow in general, you can kind of go, all right, okay. Well, uh, you know, good fight, guys. Good fight. Now we're on to New England. And I, and I think that that's okay. And I think that's, that's what we're going to do. We, we, we lost this game. And whether it was because of injuries or because just at the end of the day, we just don't have the talent to go to the races with Kansas city, then, then, you know, that's just what it is because ultimately the way to beat Kansas city. And we said it in the, the, the preview show is you got to score more points than them. And while that is always the goal in a football game, it's a lot more difficult to do when you're doing it against, you know, when you're up against Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and <laughs> Kelsey, who Travis Kelsey is going to be the first, tight end in the history of the league to lead the league in receiving yards by the end of the season. So anyway, uh, we're going to get into the good and the bad and the ugly here in just a moment. It'll be kind of a truncated good, bad and ugly segment because we sort of went into an extended uh, discussion before the game. But before we do that, a reminder to everybody to head over to Apple Podcasts and download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Seriously, take a moment. Leave us a positive review. Leave us a five-star rating. We appreciate it. Uh, and thanks to everybody just for listening. But we'd love it if, you know, it's the holiday season. You felt a little generous. You wanted to take that extra step for us. Appreciate it. Uh, and make sure that you are catching us on all the different podcast providers, all of them. We're, we're there. If there's one that you prefer and we're not there yet, let us know. We'll, we'll do what we can to address that. Facebook.com slash same old dolphins is our Facebook page where you can give us a like. And we encourage you to go to dolphinstalk.com each and every day for all of the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. It's your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. A lot of great podcast content up there on the Dolphins Talk site as well. And finally, I'm not going to forget this time, YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, head over to YouTube and do a search for Dolphins Talk, all one word at YouTube, and you can subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel where this video and uh, lots of other episodes of the show are located, and there will be adding new content all the time up there on the Dolphins Talk YouTube page. One other thing I want to talk about before we get into this good, the bad, and the ugly brain, we talked about that it is it, it's Hanukkah, and because it's Hanukkah, you want to make your significant other say Mazel Tov. And nothing is going to make them say Mazel Tov more than taking care of your grooming below the belt. And the way to do that this holiday season is to go to manscaped.com. Get yourself a lawnmower 3.0. Get yourself some ball toner and ball deodorant. Get yourself some, uh, the crop mop for, uh, you know, emergency situations where you need to make sure you're smelling your best down there. They've also got a, a always coming out with new products, whether it's uh, shaving blades for your face, whether it's cologne, uh, 
mints, all kinds of stuff that they got, you know, ear, ear and nose hair trimmers over there on Manscaped. Basically, it's the place to go to make sure that you, as a distinguished gentleman, look your best this holiday season. And you want to look your best above the belt. You want to look your best below the belt. So what you want to do is go to manscaped.com and Enter the promo code Dolphins Talk. You're going to save 20% off of your order. You're going to get some free shipping. And, you know, your special someone is going to look at you and they're going to say, you know, baby, it's Hanukkah. And the real miracle of Hanukkah isn't that the oil lasted for eight nights. It's that you finally got your below-the-belt grooming situation taken care of. Mazel tov, baby. Mazel tov. That's what they're going to say when you go to manscaped.com and enter the promo code Dolphins Talk to save 20% off of your order and get free shipping. Brain, how are your Hanukkah balls? Look, it's Hanukkah season. Everybody likes a latka. Everybody wants some latkas, but you don't want your latkas to be greasy. So you gotta go. You gotta go to Manscaped because you don't want to have want to have greasy latkes. Unbelievable! <laughs> That's unbelievable. Listen, you can't have greasy latkes because the, the applesauce, the sour cream, slides right off. No good. Mm. So Manscaped.com promo code Dolphins Talk save twenty percent and get free shipping on your order. Amazing! Amazing! All right, Brain, let's talk a little bit about the good, the bad, and the ugly in this game. We'll try to go through this pretty quickly. Um, let's talk about the good. It's it's the defense, in particular, the secondary. How about Byron Jones got an interception? Xavier Howard is fifth. And inter- forced a fumble. And forced the fumble. I mean, Byron Jones had himself a day. Um, and, you know, I, I and quite frankly, you know, when that secondary was at its you know, full capacity, they were doing a pretty darn good job locking down a very difficult receiver to, to control in Tyreek Hill. Um, and so I, I, I think that's my good is the defense in general. Um, you know, they, they got into Patrick Mahomes' head, you know, Patrick Mahomes thought he could outrun Jerome Baker on that 30 yard sack. And guess what? Sorry there, uh, Patty boy, Jerome Baker's going to get you. And he did. For a 30-yard sack, which is pretty amazing, really. Uh, so defense is is good for me. Brain, other goods in this game for you? The two- yeah, I'm just going to... Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to echo the, the defense. Uh, I thought the defensive line played a great game. Raekwon Davis and, and Shaq Lawson in particular uh, played a great game. Christian Wilkins, uh, Emmanuel Ogba. We did a great job of... of stopping Kansas City's run game, which is an underrated part of their offense. So I I I, I really like that. Um but how about the coming out party for Lynn Bowden Jr. He was he rookie, was next on my list. The rookie Lynn Bowden Jr. seven catches for 82 yards, both uh season highs, both career highs because he's in his rookie year. Uh a couple of trick plays that didn't quite work out. Uh, because uh, they, you know, remember Lynn Bowden played quarterback in college. And, I think that payoff yeah. is coming, though. I feel like that payoff is coming, and I think it, it may be coming as soon as this week. Well, I, I think that when you run it twice and it doesn't work, uh, you know, your opponent's probably going to prepare for it next week. So I think that that might need to to take a rest for a few weeks. it'll still stay in the playbook. They'll still work on it, but I don't know that that's something that you necessarily need to go back to, uh, the following week, unless you see something particularly, uh, you know, that, that sets, you know, alarms off in your head that says, Hey, uh, they're the, you know, your opponent is leaving themselves open for it. It might work. Uh, so, but, but all, all the, all things considered, it was a really good game for Lynn Bowden Jr. And I thought, uh, especially look, Jakeem Grant went out with an injury, but I felt like, you know, when Jakeem Grant went out and Lynn Bowden went in, although Lynn Bowden isn't, ex- isn't quite as explosive as Jakeem Grant when he gets the ball in his hands, the fact is 
is that you can count on Lynn Bowden to get the ball in his hands because he's going to catch the ball. And it's just, you know, and I, and like, I know, look, I said I was hard on Jakeem Grant because of that deep ball, but we've seen Jakeem Grant, Grant drop plenty of passes and we saw him drop one early in this game that was extremely costly. Uh, and you didn't see that from Lynn, ba- from Lynn Bowden Jr. So um, I think we're at the point now that regardless of whether Jakeem Grant is healthy or not, I'm ready to see more of Lynn Bowden Jr. as that, uh, you know, whether you use the number two receiver, number three receiver, regardless, I think the snap count is going to increase each week from Lynn Bowden Jr. I thought he was a a big time good uh, for the Dolphins in this game. Yeah, he was on the field for something like 72% of the offensive snaps in this game. And I think it's right. I think he's going to be somebody that the Dolphins are going to lean on a little bit here in these uh, final couple of, um, in these final few games, because this is a guy that I think is also sort of, um, you, you know, it's, we can call it what it is. It's an audition for him for next year, because this is a guy, you know, Dolphins are going to be looking to upgrade that wide receiver core. That's no surprise. Uh, some big splashy free agents coming on the market. The, the names that you are hearing, a lot about when, you know, sort of going around is Allen Robinson. You're hearing Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. was a, a name that I heard today. You know, there there are these guys that are going to be out there, and the Dolphins are probably going to be bringing one of those guys in, and then they're also going to draft somebody. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see somebody like a Devontae Smith, you know, come to Miami, you know, with that with that Houston pick, you know, early in the first round. And so the Dolphins are looking to upgrade that position. And, you know, Preston Williams is going to come back. Devontae Parker is going to come back. And and Lynn Bowden has got to, you know, fight for his position in that wide receiving core. And I, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you. We're going to see some more of him uh, a lot, I think, over these next few weeks. Uh, any other goods you want to mention before? I mean, you sort of gave us a pretty nice transition into the bad, which is which is the drops. Um, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just say this. I think we've gotten to a point now where hopefully he's healthy, uh, and, and we'll see him back out there next week and he'll play a prominent role, uh, down the stretch. But I think we have finally gotten to a point now where we feel like we have a really good high end, uh, starting tight end in Mike Kosicki. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's now put it put it together now for a stretch of games, and we're looking at four touchdowns over the last three, uh, and you know something like like twenty catches for for two hundred twenty something yards in the last four games with four touchdowns. I mean, you put those together, extrapolate them over the course of a season. I realize it's only four games, but this is a guy who. Came out of the gate slow as a rookie, saw an incremental increase in his in his second year, and we've just seen him get a little bit better and a little bit better. And and we saw him look really good at the beginning of the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, and then we saw him, you know, kind of fall off the face of the earth for a few weeks because it seemed like you know Tua wasn't necessarily go- looking his way. Well, now it looks like Tua's figured out that. All you got to do is throw the ball within like eight feet <laughs> of Mike Kosicki and he's going to make something great happen. And he started to throw him the ball. And like the last two games, you've now got 14 catches on 17 targets for 153 yards and three touchdowns in the last two games. So I think we've finally gotten to the point now where it's not a matter of, you know, Maybe Mike Kosicki will break out. I think Mike Kosicki's broken out. I think he's probably a top five tight end in the league now going forward. And that's that's extremely important because then we probably don't need to go into next year's draft or next year's offseason wondering if we need to upgrade the tight end position because I think we feel really good about our tight end room right now. 
Yeah, I, I think so. And they, they implement the all of those tight ends and are using them pretty seamlessly. And I think it's actually worked. One of the things offensively that has actually worked really well for the Dolphins this season is their use of all of those tight ends. Uh, you had provided me a segue earlier to the bad, but you also just provided me a segue to the ugly. So let's hit that first. And that's, of course, the injuries. I, I just don't, yeah. don't know that there's anything else that that could be the ugly from this game. And it, Gasicki goes down with a shoulder injury. It, by depending, they haven't really identified yet as we record this Monday evening just how bad it is. It sounds like maybe he got one look at it and they want to get a second opinion about it. But it sounds like the the worst case scenario is that this is a four to six month injury that's going to require surgery and rehab, and that's the end of his season. And we'll see Gasicki again for camp next year the best case scenario is he's going to miss a, a couple of games and potentially be ready for a playoff game and that's a situation where it, the injury is still there but he's able to rehab it and and play through it um, and then potentially be able to hold off surgery for a few weeks we don't know yet where that is but it certainly sounds like he's going to miss some time Jakeem Grant was dealing with a hamstring injury in this game, and we don't know. At this point, the report is that he is iffy for Sunday against the Patriots, so that's uh, a question mark. And then, of course, Devontae Parker uh, had um, a leg injury as well, and we don't know where we're at with that and whether he's going to be able to go on Sunday. In addition to that, Bobby McCain went off with an injury. Um, Austin Jackson was shaken up at one point in this game. So it was just all around. It's like, you know, when you get to this point of the season, the biggest thing that you want is to be able to get out of the games and be healthy, because even if you're not going to win the game, you at least want to be able to have all of your full complement of players available. But at this point, the, the Dolphins are you know, really calling in the reserves. They just re-signed Isaiah Ford to the practice squad. And at this rate, it's almost a certainty that he's going to end up being activated on the, on the main roster for next week's game. So that's your ugly. And then the bad, uh, I would say it's, it's the drops, you know, Jakeem Grant had a bad drop. Uh, Devante Parker couldn't bring in a 50, 50 ball that you would normally expect him to bring in, in the end zone. Uh, so that is continuing to be a thing. And, and part of that is part of the drop, you know, you know, there was the one where it should have been, uh, maybe it should have been a PI when Jakeem Grant dropped the, had the pass broken up that resulted in Tua's first interception. Um, and then there was that, the long pass to Mac Hollins that Hollins couldn't bring in again. It was a problem with Tua on the long ball. So that's really more on Tua, but, you know, I, I think between the drops and special teams not having a very good day, Jason Sanders missing a 45-yard field goal, which it's a 45-yard field goal, but this is the National Football League, and it was straight on. You would normally expect Sanders to hit that. And then, of course, giving up the punt return touchdown to uh, McCole Hardman is uh, pretty disappointing and, and pretty bad. It was just kind of a rough day all around for the Dolphins' special teams unit. Uh, that, that's my bad for the game. Uh, brain anything you want to add to that yeah uh look as great a game as the defense had in containing the chiefs and holding them to 24 points on 13 possessions which was better than i think anybody could have hoped for uh coming into this game and, and you know forcing more turnovers than they allowed touchdowns uh, i think is great but their game plan on that last drive uh, of the game, I I think was poor. I, I, I like you you stop Kansas City on on first down and they've got a second and long, and you've got Xavier Howard lined up twenty yards off of Clyde, you know, Edwards Hilaire, and it's just it's too easy. And I understand. That you're going to say, you know, that some people will say, well, well, hey, like when they were, you know, playing a little bit tighter in coverage, uh, then they, you know, they're allowing themselves, they're, they're putting themselves at risk of getting beat deep. Well, that's fine. You're in, you're in a game where you're down one score with just a couple minutes left to go. 
this is not the time in the game where you can afford to play bend but not break. You can't allow the opposing team to, to, to get first downs. If they're going to take a shot deep on you and get it, well, then kudos to them. But that is a much lower percentage chance of, of happening than it is lining 20 yards off of a guy and allowing them to just throw a little dink and dunk pass and it's an easy nine yards. And that happened at least twice on the the final drive of the game and set up in one instance, it was a second and 10 on the, the, you know, after the Dolphins had a run stuff on the first play of the drive and it, you know, and then Xavier Howard also had a face mask. So it's a, not only was a first down, but it turned into a, essentially a 25 yard gain. And then later in the drive, it, it ultimately set up that situation where Kansas city was able to go for it on fourth down because it was only fourth and one. Because we essentially gave them nine yards. And not only did we give them nine yards, but we essentially gave them field goal possession, which was which allowed them to kick the field goal that essentially put the game away. That, uh, that, that forced Miami into a position where instead of being down one score and being able to just, you know, go for it, uh, with a chance to win the game, we had to settle for a field goal, get an onside kick. We didn't get the onside kick. So as, as great as a, a game plan as Josh Boyer put together, I thought that that was a massive failure uh, at the end of the game to have not once, but t- but multiple times uh, just lined up 15, 20 yards off of a receiver. It, it's just too easy for for Patrick Mahomes and the and and the Kansas City Chiefs offense, you've got to make them earn it in that situation. And if they earn it, great, good for them. But you, but you go down, you know, have making them earn it to 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 allow them to do it. It's just it's too easy. And you and you sit there and you go, well, what if we would have played them tight? What what if we would have brought the 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 coverage up? You know, maybe they're looking at a third and long. And then maybe we're getting the ball back with like three minutes left down by six and two has got a chance to, to, to lead a game winning drive, but we didn't give them that chance because of the play calling on defense. So that was disappointing. And that was a bad. Sure. So I think we're, we're just about ready to put a bow on this game because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like what we said in the very beginning, or it's what we said at the end of the preview show. This was a four-game playoff, and this, while it is a would be a great game to win, is the least important of the four. Now the Dolphins happen to get a little bit of help with some of the teams that were behind them, uh, losing the the Raiders lost, the Patriots lost last week. Uh, the 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 Browns are playing the Ravens as we are recording this. I don't know what has happened in that game yet because I'm going to watch it after this show is recorded. Uh, but, you know, hopefully the uh, Browns can give us some help there and defeat the Ravens and the, the Dolphins can hold on to that seventh spot in the playoffs for a little bit longer. But, you know, at, at this point, the, the situation is this going into these final three games of the season. The Dolphins have to beat the New England Patriots. They have to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. And then we'll take stock of week 17 when we get there. We, we know that because Buffalo beat Pittsburgh uh, the AFC East is basically gone unless the unless the Bills lose their next two and the Dolphins win the next two. The Dolphins are not winning the AFC East. So at this point, it's really about focusing on the wild card as far as getting into the playoffs is concerned. And we'll we'll take a look at what that entire situation is when we record our preview show for the Patriots game uh, at the end of this week. So that's it. That's it for this one. Um, like we, we, we've talked about all the narratives that Dolphins lost the game. That's okay. Where we are now is eight and five. And quite frankly, eight and five with three games to go is, you know, any Dolphin fan would have bit your hand off for that opportunity at the beginning of the season. So here we are. And the Dolphins are still in the thick of it. And they're still developing. And it's a pretty good situation to be in. If you are a Miami Dolphin fan. So that's where we are as we head into this week. As we prepare, we're on to New England, baby. We're on to New England. So we've uh, got a chance. We've got a chance. That's right. To end uh, the Patriots dynasty. This is it. 
I mean, the Patriots have already, because of Buffalo's win and New England's loss this week, the Patriots cannot win the division. That That is gone. So this will be the first time since 2008 the Patriots did not win the AFC East. But we can, and I, I, I started this today, and now I want to try to give it a little bit of momentum, like give it a little bit of juice. The Dolphins have the opportunity to hashtag eliminate the Patriots. The Dolphins can eliminate the Patriots from playoff contention on Sunday and also guarantee that the Patriots do not have a winning season. And it would be the first time since like the early 2000s, maybe the late 90s, that the Patriots would have finished a season without a winning record. And the Dolphins, just as they did last year where they had the opportunity to screw the Patriots out of home field advantage, now have the opportunity to eliminate the Patriots. Hashtag eliminate the Patriots. Let's do it on Sunday. We'll be back to preview that game for you later this week. But until then, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. We take the ball from the